Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to the next newsletter on New Zealand Sport Radio, the show where a panel of football tragics discuss the latest going-ons in arguably the greatest football league in the world, or at least Australasia, the Bunnings A-League. More specifically, we're here to break down the performances of the Wellington Phoenix, preview their next game, and give all of you watching some news, opinions, and views on the league in a Kiwi accent rather than an Aussie one. This week, our panel are myself, Connor Clements, Dan Moskovitz, and hopefully joining us soon if his computer sorts its issues out, Chris Scarrett, who we had on last week and we love so much that we want to get him on again. He was fantastic, and uh, if his computer sorts itself out, he will be joining us. But for now, it's me and Dan. Dan, how are you doing? How did you watch the game on the weekend? Where, what were you up to? Uh, give me a bit of a rundown of uh, how you enjoyed the Wellington Phoenix versus the Wanderers. <laughs> Actually, really interesting um, uh, story because, as some of you may know, I am in high school. So as a, as, a, as I realized late on Sunday um, night, I was watching, uh, I realized, hang on, I have a stats assessment which starts tomorrow. I need to do some research. So midway through the second half, where things are getting really good, I'm just frantically looking at the um, at the screen every time the commentator's voice goes up. While frantically also trying to do research uh, for my statistics assessment, and eventually, and I'm like dead tired at this point, and I'm like starting to lose lose it during the best game of the season. And then the final five minutes comes around, and holy crap, I am awake again, and I was yelling at the screen during uh, Hemmer's offside. How about yourself, Connor? Yeah, Yeah, I mean, that VAR decision, I mean, we'll talk about it more in depth because that was so close and you really have to think they've got to give the uh, benefit of the doubt to the striker. It's ridiculous how they just keep doing that. Um, but for sure, yeah, we we got to talk about that all night. See that Scares has just joined us, so I'm going to add him to the stream. Uh, Scares, how are you, mate? Yeah, good. Can you actually hear me? Is the question? Yeah, we can. We can hear you, mate. We can hear you, and uh, yeah, you're all good. I can see your mic's a bit up as well, but you, you've joined and you've got the Phoenix yes. shirt on, which is perfect. Not even the mic I'm using. Uh, yeah, serious computer troubles, but anyway, luckily I've got a second one. <laughs> yeah, we were just we were just talking about a quick uh, summary of how Dan watched the Wanderers game, 
And then we were talking as well about that VAR decision, which we're going to touch on a lot more as we go on, which is like offside by the barest of millimeters if it was offside at all. I know that a lot of us don't think it was offside at all. But I think going back to that game, I mean, we were treated to an absolute legendary game. We were treated to one of the best games probably of the A-League season so far, if not one of the best A-League games uh, I've seen in a long time. There were some cracking goals in there. I don't know how Cammy Devlin didn't get goal of the round because that was an insane goal. I don't think the Wanderers player deserved to to get that ahead of him after pushing Payne, obviously, um, in the back and then volley, like chesting it and volleying it in. At the end of the day, I think that that was a foul, but, you know, what, what do I know? I'm not a referee. Um, so let's just talk about the game in depth now. I, I mean, the Phoenix so unlucky to lose 4-3. At the end of the day, I think that we on another day we would have won and probably won about 5-2, five, 5-3. Five, five, so, I mean, I'll start with you, Dan. What were your thoughts on the game in terms of the way that we played? What were your thoughts on maybe the goal that Cammy Devlin scored? And also just what were your thoughts on the whole performance of the Phoenix in general? Right. I just muted myself there because my parents are just coming home and my dog is barking. I can I hear I can hear your home. dog barking, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yes, down uh Sasha Moskovitz. Um, but the game. Um like as I said, I love my second half. I don't have much memory of because I was frantically trying to do research for for statistics. But holy crap, like even after like as a football fan, you get really emotional about all this stuff. And and I know we're going to go into Hemmed's not a goal more. but And I was obviously outraged after the Hemmed goal. But the thing about this game is that it didn't take me down off my high because I was still buzzing at this game. Thank you, Sasha. Uh, because uh, the, the game was just that good. Um, so, yeah, like... Obviously, I think we definitely played quite well in the first half. Um, Cammy Devlin, beautiful. I love him. This, he's, he's this week's God, God amongst men. Um, and obviously, Davila on the score sheet. As, and it was great to see him get off the mark as well. And also, um, the Israeli Jewish community, which came out to support him, which, as a Jew myself, that was fucking beautiful. And I love that. <laughs> um but yeah, and Hemed off the mark is lovely to see. Um, other than that, I mean, the, the big question is can he kick on? Because, like, two goals in a game that intense, you'd think there would be. There isn't a better impetus to start being the. Um, being, be, uh, being the import striker you hyped up to be. But after having that taken away from him. I hope he's psychologically strong enough to keep bouncing back because he did get a goal, even if it was just a penalty. Yeah, I think we I think we should go to Skaz as well to talk about Hemed a bit more in depth. What your thoughts were on him, and then your thoughts on the game overall. Yeah, sure. I mean, um, Hemed it's certainly a better game than he's had previously for us. Um, you know, we can only hope to see improvement each time he comes on and get him building some form up. Um, I thought Wayne was doing quite well. Earlier on in the game, certainly in the first half, he had a lot more hold-up play than, than I'm used to seeing from him, uh, bringing other players in, into the game quite quite well. But um, he was definitely starting to tire as the second half went on, and, and I think it was the right move to to bring him on. Uh, penalty, you know, 
penalty is a penalty. You take them. Every goal counts. So no, that, that was good for him. But uh, yeah, he'll he'll be disgusted at that, that referee decision um, for what should have been the equaliser, uh, millimeters, as you say. Uh, more more generally, I guess around the game. I think to me, it's a game that's been cost by an injury in the warm up. Um, I think if we have Fenton there at right back, at least two of the goals don't get scored. Um, thinking of the first one, uh, you know, oof, you know. Roof hasn't played right back for a while. Um, he's obviously been doing really well in the midfield for us over the last few seasons, but um, I, I don't think he really showed that he has much of a knack for, for right back in that game without being too harsh on him. He was completely out of position for the first goal, leaving a man uh, completely unmarked uh, to, to finish quite easily. Uh, I think it was the second goal he was um, marking the man off the corner and, and didn't leap with him. Um, so effectively gave him a free header, although it wasn't just him, it was McGarry with him as well. And I think there might have been another goal where he didn't track that very well. So to, to me, uh, that's that's two or three goals uh, that we wouldn't have conceded with Fenton or, or another right back in, in the spot. Um, I did wonder whether we might have gone with Laws at centre-back and, and shifted Payne out to right back. But um, then again, do you really want to disrupt uh, that, that centre-back pairing that's been doing so well the last few games? Um, yeah, for me, that, that was the big thing. If attacking, we were... Great. Should have been four goals. Should have been 4-2, in fact, in my view, but uh, I think everyone will agree with that uh, at, at the side of the uh, or the side of the Tasman anyway. But, uh, no, it was an entertaining game. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think um, with Roofer as well, like, you're absolutely right. I think that with Payne playing so well at centre-back, it was hard to disrupt that. But with Fenton going down in the warm-up, I think you should have taken uh, Roofer left roofer in the centre mid, maybe taken Payne out to the right, put Laws in. It just didn't make sense to put Roofer in that right back position. And we were so, we saw straight away that he was exposed and that he wasn't used to that position at all. And and I and I completely rate Roofer in terms of his centre mid work. I think he's been fantastic this season as a holding mid. He's he's doing exactly what we ask of him. But to go in the in the warm up and suddenly talk to him and tap him on the shoulder and say, hey, by the way, Alex you know that you've prepared all you know week to be the CDM. We're going to put you at right back. It's not what he wanted, and it showed in the performance. And I think that, yeah, it did cost us the game. And, and unfortunately, with Fenton being the injury-prone player he is, that's what happens. And it's happened again for Fenton, and, and it's gutting for the Phoenix because that's cost us uh, three points there. So something that we definitely need to look into and something that unfortunately has happened again for Fenton. So we wish him all the best in terms of his recovery. We hope that he can recover as soon as possible. And I think that Uffy and the Phoenix the next game would probably put Laws back into centre-back and move Payne back up to right-back where Payne, because of his versatility, will do a great job there. We know he's so good at that and he'll go in and he'll do that role. Um, and I'm sure he'll do it to the best of his ability because, yeah, fantastic. Unfortunate with that goal that uh, Duke scored, with pain because obviously he was pushed off and, and he, he he thought he had the header and then that referee decision wasn't given. But to be honest, that wasn't the decision that I really cared about. The decision that I really cared about was that VAR one against Hemed. I think that he was at the most a millimetre offside and you've got to give the benefit of the doubt to the striker there. And we've seen it happen in the Premier League and now we've seen it happen in the A-League and I'm sure it's happened in the A-League before and other matches where it's just a ridiculous margin that you've got to give the benefit of, of the doubt to the striker, and it's ridiculous that they've called it. So it's really unfortunate that it's happened. It's killing the game, and they need to stop that. And even if it had been against the Phoenix and it had been a, like ruled against Western Sydney, I would have been gutted for Western Sydney because if it had been a great goal and it had been someone who needed to score, like 
like Hemed needed to score again for us because a penalty is a penalty, right? But Hemed needs to score from open play. He needs that. Um, it needs it needs his confidence to it would do his confidence a word of good. And so the fact is to have that goal ruled out, it's just a killer. And it's a killer for us in terms of points, and it's a killer for him in terms of confidence. And for for me, it killed the game as well. So unfortunately, once again, we have to sit here and bemoan poor refereeing decisions. And once again, the Phoenix have been hard done by, and that's why we're languishing now now near the bottom of the table again. Whereas if we'd won this, we could have started started planning our rise at the top. And I know the points are still relatively even, and everything's still like relatively close but it just would have been nice to get those three extra points and and move up the table and we've just been yeah we've been gypped again unfortunately it's it's happened again oh just going back to one thing you said there um not being too upset about the 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 decision on the the pain shove i disagree i think that should have been given every day i don't care whether it's the phoenix or anyone you've got a center back who's leaping for the ball who gets thrown off balance by a shove it's the only reason the ball makes it to the striker I, i I thought that was a terrible call as well. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, I, I really didn't like it as well. But once again, like I'm so used to these decisions now, it's kind of like water off a duck's back. I'm kind of like, okay, that's just the way, that's just what I expect in this league. And I know I shouldn't, but mm. it's just the way I am. So I'm just like, okay, fine. This is what we're going to get. We, we just have to roll with the punches and move on. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, it should have been given 100%. And, and you could see pain's like disgust. And Payne's not the kind of guy that's going to easily be shrugged off as well. So the fact is he's been fully pushed there by Duke. Mm. And yeah, Duke scored a great goal afterwards. Congrats to him. But at the end of the day, it's a foul to lead up to it. And it's exactly what Harry Kane does for Spurs as well, where he throws a defender off and he does it week in, week out. And people just seem to forget about that and go, oh, he's such a great striker because he finishes it. Well, he finishes it because he cheats. So the fact is, is that we've been cheated again. Yeah, 100%. So... It's, it's, it's gutting to see that you, you get done by cheating. Uh, but, you know, if the ref doesn't pick it up, that at the end of the day, ref's only human, and so they miss that. And so that's why I said that we, we have to move on and, and we bounce back again. The VAR serving left. Yeah, yeah. The v- exactly. So the VAR hasn't been used for its actual thing there again. And so, you know, we could go, we can argue about that like week in, week out. But the game itself, fantastic game. Some great goals for either side. Cammy Devlin, take a bow. I mean, what a rocket that was. And I'll, I'll be watching that goal over and over again for sure. It's just gutting that we can't have that goal contributing to a win because it's always nice when you have such beautiful goals contributing to a win and they kind of feel like they're a bit hollow when you when you don't get the three points. So, yeah, I, I really feel for Cammy there. And, um, yeah, I absolutely would love to see, hopefully in the future, um, some decisions go our way. That would be fantastic. <laughs> so, oh, I'm sorry, Simon. Simon but uh... Simon, you may wish yeah. to know that. Sorry. Um... sorry, Simon. Sorry, mate. I'm always going to talk about right Harry here Kane. as well. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to talk bad about Harry Kane. It's in my makeup. Um, but yeah, like we, ha- you have to admit, in terms, of, he's a great striker. He's world class, but he's also a cheat. So. <laughs> <There's that. laughs> There's always that. Um, Dan, I feel like me and Chris have, have had a big chat. So what were your thoughts on those two decisions? Oh, well, I, I, so this may be due to me frantically doing my statistics research, but I was, I, I, I'm, I'm going to go against you two here. Based on what I can remember, I haven't replayed the game since, but I didn't think, I, I didn't think there was that much in what Duke did there. And for mm-hmm. me, that the ref didn't make the wrong call. Okay. All right, prefacing that with, 
I was heavily stressed by doing statistics research, which I had not done this week. And my technical knowledge of this game, as you will no doubt come to see in future episodes, is not that great. Um, I guess I'm the bigger one for the, uh, the, the shoves in the back from, uh, from defenders from personal experience. But anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, like the big one is the VAR call and like, yeah, it's, he was offside by a millimeter. The VAR's stated purpose is to adjudicate on decisions which are clear and obvious. No one, no one was saying, oh, that girl is only offside. Oh, it's not standard goal. In the best goddamn game we've seen in a very, very long time in the A League, like it's just, it's just a bad decision. And the fact that VAR is going against its stated purpose, that's horrid. Why? Why would you do that? And it, what really grinds my gears is that, I mean, as a journalist, as a fan, as other journalists and as other fans, we've been saying this for years, VAR sucks, get it out of here. We're four episodes into the show, and we're all, and we're already at the point where we've got to complain about a VAR decision. This happens week in, week out in the A-League, and it's, it's still happening, and there's no action, and it's... You don't need... There will be more times on the show where where VAR is in the league that we will complain and bemoan and groan about uh, about the system. Get rid of it. Yeah, and I think the purpose of VAR and the and the the kind of I don't know witness statement or whatever, however you want to call it, the the idea that it is going to help the game. Yes, it's positive in terms of the fact that maybe it might help the game and, and like it was brought in for a good purpose. But what we're seeing in the two, three years that we've had it is that it hasn't helped the game and that it isn't contributing. What has helped the game is goal line technology. That's been fantastic. I can't say enough about how much I love goal line technology. The ref's watch goes off. You know the ball's crossed the line. You, you've definitive proof that that's happened. That's fantastic. VAR, however, is another human being making more mistakes and bringing things up in a bad way. Let's let one human being make the mistakes, or maybe, sorry, three, depending on if you include the ARs. Um, and then let's just let that, those people make the mistakes and we live with it and we roll with it. Okay, so a linesman didn't put their flag up when someone was just offside. It happens, you know, like we, we give them the benefit of the doubt, we move on. It happens in, in all, like, you know, it happens in all sports, it happens in all like grassroots level to the professional level, a linesman just misses an offside call. Okay, whatever. But then VAR comes in and they review things from about 15 million angles and they draw lines on the pitch that aren't straight and you go, why are we doing this? Like, I just don't want to see this. And you're wasting time. Like we've, we've spent five minutes like with the players standing around going, do I celebrate? Do I not celebrate? It just makes the game boring and, and, and more of a farce. So they should just yeah, I agree. Get rid of it and let's just move on with our lives and, and continue with football the way it should be. Yeah, rugby's been using it for ages and it's worked for rugby and it's worked for rugby league. I mean, technically, maybe it hasn't worked for rugby league as much. People would definitely argue about that, that they'd still make terrible decisions. But at the end of the day, I think we should just move back to, okay, let the referee, let the ARs sort it out and we can just actually have a faster game. Because for us at the moment, it's not working and VAR is unfortunately broken. So... Yeah, that's that's my point of view, and I, I'm sure that 
Um, Scares, do you have a similar point of view to that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Cool. Yeah, I mean, all right. Good talk. No, you you want to you want to <laughs> elaborate and then we'll move on. No, 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 nothing more to really add about the VAR uh, myself. I, I think as you said, you're just, it's kind of like the refereeing itself. You, you're just going to go, well, that happened, and, and move on to an extent. I thought the game was quite interesting um, tactically. Um, you know, in terms of how we set up, I, I thought we maybe tried to control the ball a little bit more than we have in the last uh, last couple of games, and trying to you know sort of assert ourselves a bit more on, on the play. Um, but then I was also watching a few times where Western Sydney had the ball and, and rather than sort of putting the early pressure on and trying to turn over and, and regain position early, we tended to sort of sit off for about 15 to 20 seconds, I counted most times, before we started applying that pressure. So I wasn't quite sure whether we were making the decision to, to still play that counter-attacking game or whether we were looking more at position. What, what was your sort of observation of that? Yeah, it was interesting. I think it was a bit of a mixture as well, to be honest. Like, I think we were torn between wanting to have a bit more possession and we were also torn between wanting to play the counter-attacking game that's been suiting us these past few weeks. And we saw it, I mean, when we did have those chances in the counter-attack, once again, we ripped them to shreds and our attack looked amazing. Mm. But then a couple of times we were caught in possession where we dawdled with it a bit too long or uh, we weren't sure what to do with it. And so I think that kind of told. Uh, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see what Uffi wants to do with that because I know that when we're in position, most of the time we're a bloody good team and we do look really good with the ball. But what's been suiting us so well is those quick counterattacks when we turn the ball over in their half and then we just drive at them. Uh, and with mm. players like Piscopo and Uli de Villa, I mean, it suits them to a T and they can just really rip teams apart when they win that ball and we poach it high and then they can just do a quick pass or a a quick like dribble pass to player, take him on, beat him, and then play that killer ball. And we're so good at that. And I think that when we have possession, we kind of lose that a bit. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I, I think Uffi could really set us up as like that counterattacking team that just excites with forty percent of possession. You know, we don't even need we don't even need um, the fifty or the sixty percent possession that most teams would have. We can just rip teams apart with forty. So I hope that in future games we see a bit more of that because. I think that's when we look most dangerous. And you're right, we were kind of caught in two minds. Do we want to have possession? Do we want to give it to them? Do we want to try and hit them in these carriers? Do we want to sit off? We were caught in between those two minds for sure. So, yeah. Um, in terms okay. of what you said about early there, uh, why, 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 I didn't think he had his best game, to be honest. Uh, for us, I know he scored a great goal at the start, but uh, there were yeah. times when he was one of those ones that was caught in position. I remember on the edge of the box at one point even, uh, looked looked pretty pretty threatening uh, but uh, we got away with that one from memory no i think i yeah and that's why i agree i think it suits him that counter-attack where he's receiving the ball high up and rather than receiving it closer to goal early um and especially um reno as well piscopo they love getting the ball in the opposition half and driving forward or playing that pass i think that suits them so well and they're so good at it so when they get end up getting deeper and we're trying to pass it around i, I don't think that suits them at all uh, we need to be in the opposition half, and that's when they do their damage. Um, okay, moving on. The Brisbane game preview, Dan, I know that you want to say something about this, and I'll let you do it because he is your man, and you love talking about him. Uh, and so can you please preview this match and also preview a certain player's return for us? Oh, so uh, Brisbane Raw, uh, Stephen Taylor's out of managed isolation. That, that, that's all I have to say. <laughs> so look out look out brisbane raw steven taylor is back is what dan has to say yeah obviously he probably won't be starting because he's gonna have been sitting around in this room 
well, hopefully not sitting around his room um, uh, for, for the past two weeks and needs to gel as a team. But I imagine we'll he'll be put on um, he'll be put on as a sub, especially if uh, we end up uh, leading towards the end. He'll be the perfect player to turn to if we're maybe trying to conserve a two-one lead or anything. Yeah. Um, Paul, thank you for bringing up the table because if you turn your eyes uh, to the recent form for Brisbane, uh, it's not great. Two two losses and three draws. Mm. Um, that's not what you want. And, I mean, Brisbane early in the season were right up there with some Mariners challenging and they're falling off. So what I think this game is for us, I think it's I think it fits into that must-win category and I think it could be one of those season-defining games. Because, like, how we rebound after the Wanderers, uh, after after a point from the Wanderers was stolen from us, and how we, uh, and whether we can beat teams that are somewhat ahead of us in the picking order, like, those two facts determine whether or not we are turning this thing around, as has been teased in, uh, the past three games. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think this game is has must-win written all over it, and especially if you look at the table, how close we are in points to those teams above us, how close we are in points to the uh, promotion, what promotion, sorry, playoff places, uh, where we could be into those grand final matches. That's where we want to be. So we're aiming, I think, and from the start of the season, I say it every season, we're always aiming for around about fourth or third, those spots, that's where we want to be. And at the moment, I think that with two big wins, especially with this one against Brisbane, we can start looking at that area of the table and saying, yes, we belong there, we can get there. Uh, I know that obviously to other teams have games in hand and, and there'll be that kind of, there's still time for those kind of things to iron themselves out. But if we get a win against Brisbane and then we get a win in the next game, we start building momentum, we can start pushing up the table. And I'm really hoping... And those next few games that we get the rub of the green in a bit because we need the rub of the green with these refs. We need some decisions to go with us. Um, and I would love to see us actually get some beneficial decisions that actually go in our favor because I feel like every week I'm like waiting and waiting for something to go away, waiting for something to go away and we just don't get it. And we get a player sent off or we get a VAR decision go against us like we saw last week. And it just keeps compiling. So I'm hoping that for once we actually get the officials on our side and we get uh, the result, but hopefully we just play well enough that we don't even have to worry about that, and we just play so well that the officials won't even be called into action because we'll just be playing them off the park. And like you said, Dan, this is a great opportunity for us to do that because Brisbane aren't in the best run of form. I know we aren't in the best run of form either, but I do think that the results have betrayed the way that we've played um, because the results have been unfavourable, whereas I think we've played quite well and we deserve, um, you know, those two clean sheets that we had, the back-to-back wins, but also a couple of losses where maybe we didn't deserve to lose, and it was just, yeah, especially in this most recent game, I definitely don't think we deserve to lose the way we played. So, yeah, Skaz, what are your thoughts on, on the Brisbane game, and, and what are your thoughts? Uh, Dan, if you want to interject, and then Skaz can kind of come back. Yes, yeah, sorry, Skaz. I just want to point out that if there's a time to build momentum, it's now because we have three home games a week. First up is um, Brisbane. Then it's victory. Own games. Yeah. <laughs> then it's, well, look, I mean, hopefully by now we have some sort of psychological edge at, at win. But Brisbane, winnable, victory. 
if we lose that, I I, I don't know. No, we've then, lost against them once well, before lost, already this yeah. season. Yeah, exactly. So, we are not going to mention that game. Um, <laughs> what game? Yeah, nothing happened. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like victory is shameful if we lose against them. Um, as in as McCarth, which is a bit more of a test, but again, like they're also dropping off. So three games against three sides, like uh, n- uh, if you just, which I think have none of them have more than three points. But none of them have more than three points in their last um, three games. That's you get nine points, and then you're on twenty points, and that's one hundred percent in playoffs contention. We should be targeting a nine-point week here. Yeah, I mean, in, in terms of Brisbane, I personally haven't paid much attention to them so far this season. We haven't even played them yet, so uh, <laughs> I'm just going into this this relatively blind by, by my sentence. But uh, no, look, we need to win. Uh, points need to come soon. If they don't, then, then we're going to quickly run out of the opportunity to actually make those, those playoffs. So uh, let's keep our fingers crossed. Fingers crossed for sure. All right. And uh, I noticed that we've had a question, which I'm going to show on the screen now. Do you guys prefer a winter season or summer season? And is there a show next Wednesday because the Phoenix are playing at the same time? Yes, Simon, there will be a show next Wednesday. We're going to do a bit of a watch along for the first half. uh, And we'll just have a bit of conversation and banter during the game. Also, do we prefer a winter or summer season? I have to say summer. I'm always going to say Mm -hmm. summer. Um, I like it because it means that we don't clash like too much with the Premier League as well. So I can really focus on the A-League. Like I've got my football fix uh, with the A-League in the summer and then the Premier League kicks off again. And so I can watch the Premier League afterwards, which uh, which is what I love. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely say summer. And also it just means that there's your, your sport for choice uh, in terms of sport throughout the year and football throughout the year. I love it. Scares? Yeah, I just don't want to have it during the uh, the local season, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I want to have those very occasional days where uh, there's a game down at Sky Stadium, fingers crossed, um, and, and you're supposed to be off playing in, uh, I don't know, Wainui Marta or something like that. So yeah. uh, for that reason, I like it as it is. But, uh, you know, as long as there's football, I'm happy. And Dan? It's more convenient for us as fans to have it in the, in the summer season. I think for football... Minusing, um, minusing whether or not we're competing with uh, NRL and uh, Aussie rules and stuff like that. If you take that as equation, football is definitely better in the winter for the players because, I mean, it's, playing in brisk conditions is lovely and football is fundamentally a winter sport. But I'm not going to pretend to be anywhere near knowledgeable enough to know whether or not we we can compete with um, Aussie rules and NRL and stuff like that. So I'm playing both sides here. Yeah, and I think Simon raises a value, you know, a value point as well where the fact is broadcasters in Australia prefer a summer as well because for those reasons that you've suggested, Dan, there's going to be no clashes between the other codes and also because in general it's just better for the A-League as well because that's what people are used to. And that's, that means that they can get TV rights across that that as well as they can get TV rights across all those other things that they're trying to cover. So they're not like, oh, which one do we need to favor and where do we get to where do we get our camera crews to? Because, I mean, you can easily see that becoming something that kind of falls by the wayside and they focus on Aussie rules or NRL rather than the uh, 
God forbid they call it soccer over there. I can't believe that. Um, rather than the football, uh, because no one wants to call it soccer because that's ridiculous. Um, okay, let's uh, let's talk about uh, our question for the week because we've we've talked about Brisbane, we've talked about that Western Sydney Wonders robbery. So, final question in terms of A League. Um, who is the ideal midfield two for the Wellington Phoenix? So we're talking about in the 4-2-2-2, obviously those two guys in the holding roles. We've had a couple of combos there. For me, I'm going to be, I'm going to say something con- contrary to what Dan suggested with, uh, well, he's going to suggest it soon, but I'm going to say Devlin. Spoilers. Yeah, spoilers. <laughs> I'm going to say Devlin and Rufa are my two. That's that's who I think. Scares, do you want to go and then we can let Dan say who he thinks? Yeah, I actually agree, surprisingly. Um, I probably wouldn't have thought that uh, you know, a season ago. Um, but no, Rufa, Rufa's been pretty solid in Devlin. You know, when he puts a performance on like yesterday, sorry, not yesterday, Monday, um, hard to look past him. I mean, even before the goal, I had, had him down. I took 26 notes down in the game. And number five, which came seven before the goal, was Devlin looking his old self. Uh, we yeah. finally had last season's Devlin back uh, yesterday, mm. I felt. Just an energetic workhorse. Still the odd tackle that you go, oh, that could go wrong. But uh, but he puts him under pressure and he causes a lot of turnovers. So he, he's really essential, I think, if we want to play that sort of more high-octane football. Mm. Uh, Rufa, as I say, has been solid. You know, I, I think he gets a lot of stick that he doesn't deserve. Um, you know, he, he can play a pass forward when he wants to. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but he's yeah. also good at retaining the position. And, and I think if, if we want to, well, again, we, we come back to that question of what style of football do we want to play? But if we want to be able to hold on to the ball, I think those two are the ones to do it. Lewis, um, you know, he's, he's been decent, but um, I, I, for me, just, just not quite at the same standard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one, once again, I'm going to run contrary to you both. And once again, as a person who will self-admittedly say that I am the worst person to talk about uh, tactical shape and all that here, but just looking at it, I, I have to say it's Ruth and Lewis because, I mean, when you look at the games we've won and the games we've lost, there's that 2-1 win against the Mariners, which we in no way deserved. <laughs> and then there's the, the, the two games we won with Ruth and Lewis. There's also last season where, where we had Matty Steinman Alex Roof got injured, Cam Devlin came in, and Devlin's diamond uh, basically became an excellent pairing. And I think maybe that Roofer and Devlin are just a little too similar in that they're both kind of box-to-box, so both run run for days. Roofer may be more ball-winning midfielder. God, I'm thinking about football manager here now. Um, but... <laughs> But yeah, they, they both they both play very similarly. And I think we need someone with a bit more difference between them. And it's harsh because, I mean, in an ideal world, they'd all get to play. But, I mean, that's part of being a manager. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with, yeah. I'm with Rufa Devlin until... Uh, <laughs> Rufa Lewis until proven otherwise. <laughs> yeah, well, I think, I think that's interesting that we've all chosen Rufa. Uh, over the the Devlin Lewis combo, which is which is another interesting combo, and I think does work well as well. But it just shows how far Rufa has come 
mm. in terms of his ability and in terms of his standing now as vice captain of the Wellington Phoenix and also his standing as a player. He has developed tremendously. Uh, I know he doesn't score goals, uh, which is something that he definitely does. I'm sure he would love to add to his game because it's been so long now with an out an A-League goal and everyone is rooting for him to finally score it. Uh, but I think that he does bring that extra kind of defensive shield ability. And I, I think that Devlin is more of that kind of box-to-box. He'll score a goal, but he'll also get back. And Rufa has that ability to kind of recognize when Devlin's gone forward and will sit. And he does a really good job at that. And he shields really well. And I think that it's something that he's really developed a lot in terms of his game recently. Not only like this season, but also the past couple of seasons, we've seen him slowly bring his game up to that level that he needs to be at. And I think Lewis will get there, but he's just not quite at that level just yet because he's obviously been playing for Auckland City. He had a spell at Scunthorpe for a little bit but he didn't really get much game time over there. So now he's kind of starting to cut his teeth at that professional level week in, week out, and he's starting to get to that level. But I think Roof has been there for so long. He knows the league like the back of his hand, and he's got that little edge. And Cammy Devlin, I mean, for years he's just been um, one of these, well, for the last two years, he's been one of those guys that we just look at and go, look at the, every week he looks like he's getting better and better. Um, and I know he kind of tailed off at the start of the season, but then again, like he started to look again, like his old self, like he was where he was just improving week in, week out. And so I think he's going to be um, a huge part of the Phoenix moving forward. And I think we absolutely need to start him every game because absolute class, absolute class. I think um, Lewis will get his chance and he'll come on as a sub and get his opportunities. But I think Cammy Devlin can't be overlooked. He's fantastic. And uh, yeah, if he can reclaim that form that he had at the tail end of last season and continue to improve every week, I think we're going to see him in the like, in the team of the season at the end of the year again, like he deserves, because outstanding player. Outstanding player on his day. Okay. Um, the final little thought for you boys as well. I think we've done a lot of talking about the Wellington Phoenix, but I just wanted to touch on the fact that this weekend, it's the final iteration of the uh, ISPS Honda Premiership, the New Zealand National League, if you will, with franchises so team wellington auckland city all these franchises that we've known uh some of us have loved some of us don't really care about them over these past few years um they are coming to an end in this final iteration we're going to have a grand final it's going to be the two old enemies team wellington and auckland city facing off in the final i think it's a fitting way to end the franchise era if you will and then we'll be moving on into the club era. So winter clubs such as Eastern Suburbs are already in there. Hamilton Wanderers are already in there. But they're going to become the, the key. And then we're going to see instead of Team Wellington, we're going to have Miramar Rangers. Um, we're going to have Western Suburbs competing as well. So if you're Wellington-based, you'll know those clubs. Uh, if you're in Auckland, the likes of Ellerslie could even get in there. Um, you're looking at other teams, Three Kings. I'm, I'm just naming random Auckland clubs now. Um all these teams could compete and get into those as well. Century United, Auckland That's City's um, feeder team. Auckland City's feeder team, Century United. I don't know whether Auckland City will still exist. I think Team Wellington are going to become Miramar Rangers. That that looks like it's going to happen. But, yeah, Century United could become what Auckland City were. So that's crazy thinking about that as well. Um, this is going to be the new iteration. I want to ask two questions to you boys. Uh, one is going to be simple. It's going to be who's going to win between Team Wellington and Auckland City and what's the score going to be? And then number two will be what is your thoughts? Well, what are your thoughts on the new competition format? Before we get to that, Simon, again, thank you for your question. It's a shame that that team 
Uh, all Auckland City and Team Wellington's last game. I'm not a fan of the new competition structure myself. Well, let's talk about if we are fans or not, Simon, and you'll see if we agree with you or not, whether we think it's good. So I'll start with you, Skaz. Who's going to win between Team Wellington and Auckland City? And what are your thoughts on the new competition format? So you mentioned there's some of us out there that don't really care about the um, the ISP as Honda Premiership. I, I probably fall a little bit closer to that camp. I think I've got <laughs> five games in my life, mainly when I've been going to Hawks Bay and, uh, yeah, and thought, oh, well, let's go and watch one of the Wellington teams play against Hawks Bay United. Uh, look, yeah. you know, I'm a Wellingtonian um, at heart. So, uh, you know, I've, I've got to go for Team Welly. I think Watson, from what I have seen, the, the few clips I have watched this season, mm. has been having a having a stormer. So let's see if he can do the magic there. Um, but, you know, Auckland City, they've, 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 uh, they've, they've done the business for so long that uh, you never know. Yeah, yeah, they have done the business. And former uh, next man, actually, Logan Rogerson, now playing for Auckland City. It's a swan song game. He's off to Europe after that game. So uh, we wish Logan Rogerson all the best as well. And... Uh, Dan, before we get Skaz's thoughts on the new competition format, we'll just ask you your uh, prediction for the final score as well. Um, so who do you think is going to win? I do love that um, this is Jose versus Scott and the final True. competition. That's, that that to me is quite lovely. Um, mm. We're going to go Wellington because I like Wellington. Um, I Auckland, I don't live there. Wellington, I live there. Let's, let's go Team Wally. Um, also, Hamish Watson and uh, as better football pay me to say, Sam Mason Smith. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm going to be devil's advocate. I'm going to go Auckland City because why not? Trade Auckland City to win. 2-1 over Team Wellington in the final. That's my guess. Uh, okay, Skaz, so your thoughts on the new competition format and then we'll go to you, Dan. Yeah, it's a bit of a tricky one, this. Um, I, I think it's pretty clear that the current model just wasn't sustainable, uh, especially after covid but the money's just not really there to keep it afloat. And then you've got this question of, well, by shifting on to clubs, is that going to be a positive thing or is that just going to create financial problems for the clubs? Um, I, My understanding is that the, the fees for, for Central League and, and the equivalents are, are going to go up to, to cover entry into the National League. So hopefully by spreading those costs around the place, you can, um, we, we, can, we can see it succeed. But um, I, I do have concerns about that. On the other hand, what an incentive for, for local club teams um, to know if you, you really do well during the year, then you can end up in the National League and going and playing at the highest level in the country, uh, putting the Phoenix aside. So, I, you know, I, I think for me that's the biggest thing. It, it's a really incredible incentive uh, for players to, to really push and, and, and do what they can and, and try and get those titles and move up. So on, on balance, I'm in favour of it. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's totally fair. And Dan, what are your thoughts? I'm... I don't know. Like, it's very new. It's very different. I'm going to welcome it with an open heart and open mind. But I just don't... I am not... I don't know enough about, like, how this has worked overseas. If it is done overseas, I don't think it is. I think the... Um, I, 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 wait, no, sorry. I, sorry. Uh, I don't think... I don't know enough about whether or not this can work because it's something completely foreign to how we normally run um, a football competition. What I will say is that I'm a little agnostic. Hello, Paul. Um, what, what, go finish, finish off. Then I'll, okay. then I'll, I'll, I'll make a couple of 
Yeah, uh, I am a little agnostic over of like us putting caps on foreign players, partially because like everyone's always like, "Oh, let's um, cap foreign players," so it gives the youth more of a chance. Foreign players are just going to raise the more foreign players are. Obviously, you need to have a cap at some point, but the more foreign players there are, you're just raising the standard that you have to compete to. And like just using the Phoenix as an example, I love my Libby Kikachis, my Sarpreet Singhs, my Ben Waynes, but I wouldn't. I, I I would rather have my Lucy's Davilas, my Stephen Taylors, my Roy Krishnas, rather than three more Kikachis, Singhs, and Waynes. And I think like limiting the amount of um, uh, foreigners we can have might not be the best way to go about this. Mm. So I, I guess some sort of thoughts about this from from a, from a sort of player's point of view is how many of these players uh, in these clubs um, maybe want to have that amount of travel? Uh, have you got a? They, I'm assuming that they're, they're not going to be full time professionals. They're going to be um, best uh, semi professional or or even totally amateur. So. Do they actually want to have? Are they happy just playing a high level in Auckland? Do they want to have to? Can their jobs allow them to travel um, down to uh, for, for a national comp? If your club does get uh, into that national comp, do they end up just taking all the best players from all the clubs in that area region to join that club because that's the club that's successful and gets into the kind of Premier League, um, as it were? Uh, who wants to play for a, uh, a struggling team when you can? And, and so I guess do you end up just having the same the same clubs uh, qualifying every year because they because they they qualified the first year and all the team and the players sort of move there to get that national competition uh, and those players that don't want to anyway uh, because they they just can't do the travel I, it it just seems for an amateur or uh, when you when you got amateurs it's, it's it's a very it's a much more difficult concept than just um, than than when you're dealing with professional teams. Is, is, it gets to the point I'm trying to make. I think they are, are trying to take steps to address that issue of, of players sort of pulling up at one club. Um, I think putting restrictions on transfers uh, mm. between the, the regular season and the, the National League season or the, the Champions League, as I'm going to call it, I think, from memory. Um, but, yeah, I think it's a real problem, especially the travel path. Um, you know, I, I, I think from, from a perspective of someone on a committee of a local club, I think uh, it would not be... <laughs> It would be very difficult for us to do anyway, um, but uh, you know, I think if, if people really want to, to play at the highest level, they will do it. And um, just got to. Oh no, absolutely. But your, your problem comes into those guys who are very talented, realise they're never going to actually earn a living out of it, have got a decent job, um, and realise that actually, you know, I, I'm going to have to turn down playing now because, um, or hey, I've, I've I've qualified my club. But now two or three of your, maybe not your best players, but two or three of your squad players just can't turn up for that for the for the national league. And suddenly you play, you actually have a weaker squad for the mm. Champions League than you do have for your club competition, which would be a bit, bit a bit silly. So anyway, yeah, let's just hope they they sort those sort of issues out. That's that, that's my my only concern about going this route, rather than necessarily having a a rep team per league um, playing off, which I guess is what the franchises essentially are. Yeah, yeah, the franchises will be just that vision. I think what we will see are those that a lot of those franchise players, the people who are playing for the likes of Auckland City Team Wellington, will be integrated into these winter clubs, and a lot of them will end up in the same kind of areas. Um, so, for example, a lot of those Team Wellington players will just go to Miramar and will be playing in that Miramar team, uh, or Olympic will be the other one, and the teams with the most money 
will be the ones that qualify. Um, that's what it's going to be like. So you'll see the likes of Wairarapa United, uh, where they're being bankrolled. They'll they'll be there. Uh, Western suburbs who are bankrolled by an academy, by a good junior program, they'll be in that conversation as well. They've got a lot of good players there. Murmur Rangers, of course, with the Team Wellington connection, they'll be in that. I'm just talking about Wellington clubs. Uh, and then if you go and you look at uh, Auckland, Century United, Hamilton Wanderers, um, and eastern suburbs who have all been in that franchise conversation anyway central united are basically auckland city they'll just get all the auckland city players those guys were semi-professionals pretty much they'll just be competing in that again and so these will be all those players they'll be competing okay it comes down to what what do you want your clubs i mean obviously it's like you guys wanting you guys from wellington you know the wellington clubs better than the others club than others but do you really uh, is is community is club rugby uh, is, is community sport about playing with your mates um, and having people, you play, you play juniors with your club, um, you play, you, you come to the seniors uh, and, and you go back and you watch and basically you're there for your full life. Or is it about, hey, who's got the most cash and buying players from other, other teams? I, yeah, I don't know what, uh, it comes, again, it comes down to what do you want your community rugby to be about, or your, sorry, community football, uh, your club football to be about? Um, it's, uh, so it again. depends. Yeah, it depends on what level you are. So the higher level, you are the you're gonna play for whoever's going to give you the most money these are just sort of questions that yeah if you go down yeah. this route where you're having yeah. community clubs qualifying for this for this tournament are you messing around with the ethos of the whole club um yeah i think i think this model it, it's it's not going to change too much from what it, it currently is mm -hmm. to be honest the way it is at the moment is that whoever's got so money for those players who are semi-pros or pros potentially um looking to like get to that next level to be pros or football is their like main job um then they're going to be the players who go right who's going to pay me the most money i'll go to that club and i'll play for them uh and then if you're like someone like me or someone like scares um we're going to be like we want to be those community people who we, we know that we're not going to like earn money from football it's not going to be our living in terms of that and so we want to sort out our club and make sure that our club continues to progress and, and we'll play for that club and we'll be loyal to that club because that's what we know and that's what we love and we want to be those people who are down at the club rooms week in week out and doing that and every club has those people and that's what means that clubs uh, are, you know they prevail and they do well it's just that some clubs have wealthier people who will bring those likes the likes of a you know a Hamish Watson or a Sam Mason Smith into their team and say hey we want you to play for us. And I think Miramar are the kind of club that have that, the resources, they've got the junior club set up to do that. And they'll be able to bring those players back and say, we want you to play for this team. And, and those players will be like, yep, we want to play there. Um, unless a team from Australia comes in and say, hey, we can pay you more money, in which case they'll go, oh no, we've got a chance in Australia, we'll go across there. Or um, the Wellington Phoenix come calling, in which case they'll go to Wellington Phoenix. It's just once you're at that level, the money talks. Yeah, that's Chris, how I Chris? No, nothing, nothing more on that. Oh, no, I, thought, I, I thought you put your hand up. Um, no, you're no, right. No. Look, and, and there needs to be a pathway for those people. Absolutely, there has to be. It's it's it's, it's all about balance, isn't it? Let's be honest. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and at the end of the day, I think this will be beneficial for those young people as well. Like all those young kids who are going to get more game time because of it and will develop. I think that's going to be great. It's just that once you get to that certain level, there will always be that pull and push of all this club's offering me more, and I could have a greater chance of progressing with this club so maybe i go to this team and you do have that kind of rep mentality where there's a whole bunch of really good players that you think you can develop off but also 
you think that you can progress in terms of your um, your job and, and your life. Uh, and so obviously that's going to be something that you really look at and say, actually, I could, you know, I could earn money here. This could be a pathway to me progressing as a footballer. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. It's, it's a very different kind of setup, but also uh, I think Simon was right when he said that this competition mm. structure was done 30 years ago. It has been done before. The big clubs were playing in the National League and it was the same. I mean, we did have uh, a whole bunch of people playing in these clubs for in winter clubs and then at the end of the season they kind of did like a, a big competition at the end to see who was the best and i know we are, already have the chatham cup as well which contributes to that um there's just a lot of motivation now for players and chris was right if we do get a chance maybe someone will sneak into that uh, i mean i'm looking at the south island for example there's a lot of untapped potential down in the south island to challenge the well-established clubs down there or the people who are bankrolled because i know that they don't have like a traditional big four down there there's maybe two clubs that win it week in you know week out and they win it every year so maybe that we'll see a new um kind of amateur team from christchurch come up and, and do the business uh which would be great and it would be great for the game and a, a good team of young players kind of challenging the traditional status quo of all these players who played in the and the likes of auckland city and stuff would be fantastic for for new zealand football so we'll wait and see how that pans out we've got the chance to see that now without the with the demise of franchises and we'll see what clubs rise to the top and and challenge in that champions cup format uh, dan chris is there anything else before we sign off dan i'll start with you and then scares you can have a final word uh just that um next week it's a live watch so come along to that should be uh, should be fun watch along the first half at least we'll see if we can get the second half but i'm sure that we'll do the first half and, that, and that'll be great scares yeah no looking forward to that i just hope i can get my computer working again so that i can uh, have a game going on sky sport now but uh we'll figure something out looking forward to it yeah absolutely yeah join us as the ticker says join us for the live watch next wednesday it'll be an absolute pleasure to to kind of react along to that game um, but as always, I'll sign it off with thank you for joining the show. You can catch up on all the A-League results every morning at 7 a.m. with the morning sports briefing and get your weekly Phoenix fix at 9 p.m. next Wednesday, which will be that live show watch, which we are very excited to uh, watch along. And don't forget to go wake New Zealand Sports Radio a few dollars on Patreon if you can. It increases our motivation to be back here each week and results in higher production quality. So from myself, Connor Clements, from Dan Moskovitz, and from Chris Scarrett, who is going to be a regular on the show now. Congratulations, Scarrett. Great to have you on board. Um, yeah, it's been a pleasure, and we are signing off. We'll see you for the live watch next week. See you later. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 